Welcome to the Epic Vision Zone. I am so honored and pleased to introduce my guest today, who is a global speaker, author, pioneering journalist, business executive, podcast host, former elected official and lifetime change agent who has been on the front lines of women's progress for nearly five decades. She's the author of Powering Up, a book that she will introduce later on in the, in the interview here, and the host of two podcasts, Powering Up and Game Changers, a podcast that is aired on the International Women's Forum. She began her career as a trailblazing television, news, and sports broadcaster in the 1970s. And in 1980s, she was inducted into the Michigan Journalism Hall of Fame for her national leadership role in opening sports locker rooms for women journalists. And we'll dig into that a little later. She earned her business credentials as a Ford Motor company communications and governmental affairs executive and was named by Automotive News to its first list of 100 leading women in the auto, auto industry. Following her early retirement from Ford, she ran for political office and served for four years on the Ar Auburn Hills City Council. A voice for advancing women and girls, her work has taken her to six continents, including assignments for the U.S. State Department in the Middle East, Europe, and the Caribbean. She is the current president of the Michigan chapter of the International Women's Forum, which will, be, which will bring 800 women leaders from six continents to Detroit for the IWF's World Leadership Conference in the fall of 2023. My mistake. Thank you. A graduate of the University of Michigan, she has studied at the University of Madrid and has completed graduate work at Northwestern, Harvard, and Duke Universities. She is the mother of a 28-year-old 20 son and a lifelong horsewoman and traveler whose work and interests have taken her to over 30 countries on six continents. Welcome, Anne Doyle. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to be here, Jane. Thank you so much. You are such a trailblazing woman. Oh my gosh. So my first question to you is what drives your passion to be a voice for women's leadership? Well, I think that part of it is the fact that I had an incredibly high consciousness, courageous mother and, uh, and an awesome father as well. So, I mean, it all, it starts as a girl, but another really important piece for me, Jane, is the, the age, the times when I came of age. So I came of age, um, in the United States, uh, graduating from the university in the early 1970s when, um, incredible opportunities were opening up for women. And the way I describe it is that, you know, the laws were changing so that doors were being unlocked. Mm. Uh, but it was up to my generation of women to um, push those doors open and sometimes kick those doors in. <laughs> and on top of that, to make sure that we kept that door open once we got in. So to keep it open, uh, you know, for the other generations of women um, that came after us. So that's a huge piece of it. 
Yeah, I actually read that, that, that during when you moved your, into a business career with the Ford Motor Company, and you say that you were knocking down the locked doors, that's what you were referring to. Well, I was referring to, I mean, my very, I mean, I was a senior at the University of Michigan doing an internship at the university's NPR radio station, and the news director literally would not let me step foot into the newsroom. I mean, he stood at the door and said to me, uh, oh, you're the new intern here? Yeah. And uh, he said, do you see this line? Don't you cross it. Don't come in here to put anything on my desk. Don't answer the phone. Don't come to read the newswire because there's no place in a newsroom for a woman. And so, I mean, it wasn't only at Ford Motor Company 15 years later. I mean, it was really every step of the way. And my story is not unique. I mean, that is where we were at that moment. And any woman of my generation who was um, uh, moving into a a position that uh, women didn't hold before uh, can tell you her stories. There's there's millions of stories like that. That is amazing. I have never come across that. I have worked in a male-dominated industry, but nothing to that extent. And that is, wow. That, so you were knocking and kicking down doors, so. Oh yeah, oh yeah, where we were, where we were um, not wanted. And, um, and it was made very clear to us that we were not wanted there. Right. And, um, you know, and we had the laws changing behind us. I mean, the whole issue of me um, opening sports locker rooms. I mean, I was actually hired as one of the first women um, TV sports broadcasters in the country. I'm the daughter of a sports broadcaster. And my dad, when I had that opportunity, he told me to take that job. But I said, dad, if I take this job, I'm going to have to get into this fight about the locker rooms. And, mm. and he said, yeah. And he said, you have to, you have to fight it. And at that moment, um, you know, it, it, the lawsuit was on its way to the Supreme Court. Uh, and there, then that's how you change laws, you know, is there has to be a test case. And there was a test case with the New York Times, uh, or no, it was Sports Illustrated suing the New York Yankees. So that was on its way to the Supreme Court when I was hired. But it wasn't until um, the ruling came down that the teams cannot discriminate against credentialed women reporters wow. um, and, and keep them out while the men went in. Um, it wasn't until that law changed that the opportunity was even there. But um, because before the teams could just say, sorry, we don't want you here and you're not coming in. But then, as I like to say to people, it's one thing for the law to change. It's another thing entirely to be a young rookie female sports reporter, really, um, literally almost hyperventilating <laughs> that's what i was going to locker room and and, t- and trying to force yourself to walk in and, and that's what it takes i mean it takes not only laws changing but it but it's longer to change hearts and minds and change mm. culture and that takes lots and lots of individuals being willing to say i'm going to face the resistance because i know it's the right thing to do and it will open not only an opportunity for me, but for others. I love that. It takes guts and courage too. I mean, that is an amazing story. I can just imagine you being a young female and walking into that locker room for the first time. I mean, 
whoa, talk about someone brave enough to step out of her comfort zone. That's an amazing story, Anne, just amazing. Well, and I have lots of stories like that, and it's not just the first time, it's the second and the third and the 10th and the dozens of times, and you're tested over and over and over again in those situations. But you know what, Jane, I also like to say, my life was never threatened. I was never beaten. I was never, and um, you know, we're at a moment in, uh, in history right now mm -hmm. we're facing a lot of um awareness about injustice um that we really can't ignore anymore so mm -hmm. i understand gender injustice very very clearly but i also have great respect for um the courage of people who are willing to confront even more dangerous situations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So i think occur i mean when it comes to leadership, I mean, I put courage right at the top of that list and there's all different levels of courage. And, um, you know, it's a little bit like weightlifting, you know, you start with the small stuff mm -hmm. and, and get stronger and stronger. And so that when those moments arrive, because we are all tested, right? Everybody is tested mm -hmm. and it's scary for all of us to step out of your comfort zone. It's never easy. Um, but, but I think if you really want to um, achieve incredible things and achieve your full potential, I think we have to force ourselves to get out of our comfort zone. And that, and that takes courage. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've read that women are building an economic and social momentum throughout the world, speaking of shifting things. Do you believe that we're on the verge of big changes that will shake up work cultures? I mean, I know we've been in it for some time, but we're, you're, we're seeing a lot of shifts again in cultures and in the world. Um, so do you believe we're, we're gonna be constantly on the verge of something big, uh, more big changes coming? Yeah, I hope we're not constantly on the verge because I want the tsunami to hit. Right. Uh, and, and um, you know, I, I would say to answer your question, yes, I, I do believe that I'm going to live long enough. And I think we really are on the verge of another dramatic um, wave of, of forward movement in terms of human equality and tapping all human potential. And um, I say that because I was lucky enough you know, to be a young woman, um, ambitious young woman, at the time of um, the women's movement and the civil rights movement, you know, of the, the um, 1970s and even into the early 80s in the United States. And, uh, and so I know what it looks like when culture is on the move. Mm. And then what happened is after that, um, we sort of settled in. And maybe that's what happens is maybe you have to have significant cultural change. And then it's almost like people have to sort of like get, get comfortable with, you right. know, that like, wow, that was scary. And, um, you know, and, and so we had to get comfortable with more and more women in those roles right. and uh, more and more people of color in roles where we'd never seen them before. Mm -hmm. so we had to get comfortable with that. But then I was very discouraged. And in my book, I talk about it. It's like I, could, I, I thought that I saw the middle for women getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So you had, you know, more doctors, more lawyers, more MBAs, more women starting businesses. But um, we weren't really continuing to move up into leadership. And, and um, that we were, it was like that those levels kept, we got more and more and more. 
but we weren't going anywhere we hadn't gone before. Mm. And so what I see now, and I see it being led by this next generation of younger women and, and uh, you know, the millennials and the Gen Zs, uh, they're leading it. And uh, they, are, um, they are so much further ahead uh, than I was and my generation mm -hmm. at their age because, you know, and that's what we want. You know, we want each generation to go faster, um, go, go further, you know, uh, think of, of themselves and their potential in bigger ways than we were able to imagine. So I would say yes, absolutely. And it's happening everywhere in the world. Yeah, I was um, reading recently that economists predict that by 2024, the average woman in the U.S. and the number of rich European countries will out-earn the average man. And, uh, and as a market, women represent an opportunity bigger than China and India combined, controlling $20 trillion <clears throat> excuse me, in consumer spending. And when you figure that out, I mean, are women, in fact, in the future driving world economies? I mean, do you believe that our next recovery will be female-led, possibly? I think we're a long way from that. Mm -hmm. okay. I, I truly do. I mean, I'm familiar with the numbers um, in terms of the, uh, the economic power that women have. I mean, we are half of the world's population, mm -hmm. after all. And now, I mean, never in the history of the world have we seen so many um, educated women as we have now right. who have the potential to um, make independent economic decisions and um, that we've ever seen in the history of the world. And so the potential is really there. Um, I think we're seeing the tip of the iceberg. But I also, um, I would like to see women being more conscious of how to use our collective power. Mm. I think we have seen tremendous individual accomplishment, um, but for, uh, for us truly to see, to see dramatic change, we need um, women to understand my mantra, which is every woman for herself is a losing strategy. Mm -hmm. um, because we, uh, it, it, you know, there's an old African proverb that I love. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. And I believe that women, uh, we're still in kindergarten when it comes to understanding how and why to leverage our collective power. Mm -hmm. And leveraging our collective spending power mm -hmm. is a great way to do that, which is why I'm all about um, by women. I mean, spend, you know, I mean, I, I do business with women as much as I can. And I, um, certainly support tremendously uh, women entrepreneurs. And uh, I'm all about uh, women being financially independent. Right, yes, absolutely. And uh, women in general are starting more com companies or becoming entrepreneurs more than men. And taking that and putting it into saying, taking your passion and, and making it not just your profit, but doing work that you love, that requires a certain mindset and a certain, um, I guess, amount of courage and bravery. What would you say to a woman who is on, on, on the cusp of possibly starting her own business or just starting to launch her business in these term, terminal times? What advice would you give them? 
Well, there's a couple things that I would say, Jane. I mean, number one, um, my, my all-time um, advice in every situation is the words of my father, who um, always, he said to every one of his kids, uh, his seven children, um, and my father was a, um, he was a professional athlete. Uh, he was a naval officer, um, and he was a sports broadcaster who covered um, championship athletes, you know, and so he knew a few things about winning, and he would say, um, never eliminate yourself. Mm. And I mean, I still use that today because women um, culturally are, um, you know, you know the research. I mean, men consistently overestimate their abilities, and women consistently underestimate our abilities. And um, so we, and, and so that cultural stuff that starts on us when we're little girls is that little voice inside that says, what are you doing? Or maybe I can't, or maybe I'll fail, or maybe, you know, that holds us back. Mm -hmm. And men don't have that voice, you know, they have this voice, you know, that old joke about, you know, if men are putting on their pants and they're a little bit tight, they say, you know, the, the cleaner shrunk my pants. <laughs> and then they go, oh, I must have put on a little weight. Yeah. You know, it's all it's all about that, you know, that we're always undermining ourselves. And so I mean that's the big the big piece. Um number two, um, I I would say um, you know, back to courage. Go ahead, you know, take the risk, do it. And uh, don't be afraid to fail because everybody fails and all the research shows that um the very most successful business, think of Lincoln, how many times did he run for office and, and was defeated? Mm -hmm. you, know, you have to, and many, many of the most successful businesses, they had failures before they ever kind of got it right. So don't be afraid to fail, jump in there and start. And, um, and, and, and so if something goes wrong, just pick yourself right back up, jump back on the horse and go after it again. If that, if that's your passion. And, um, you know, the reality is still that women have um, get a very small percentage of the private equity out there. You know, the money, I mean, when you're going to get money, ask for a whole lot more. I mean, think big. Right. Think bigger and, and <clears throat> go out there and, and basically, do you find that having a mentor is very useful for entrepreneurs to find someone that can show them the road that maybe they've traveled and try to avoid some of those bumps? Well, I think that um, multiple mentors, multiple mentors, mm, okay. and, and not going to, um, there's very few people who are going to um, be your mentor and, and tell you exactly how to do it. But multiple people who have experience and skills are very happy to um, share with you some experiences. So I would say, don't ask someone to be your mentor. I mean, look around and find, and, and as you see someone who you think might have some wisdom to share with you, mm -hmm. just ask for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people are very, very willing to, um, you know, take a little time to talk to somebody. Right. But that's different than, I mean, if you eventually run into someone who takes you under her wing and, <laughs> and wants to be your sponsor, uh, which is very different from a mentor. I mean, those are the people who um, invest in you, right? Money, mm -hmm. um, talk about how how fantastic you are to everybody else when you're not even around. 
Um, so I would say, um, think a lot bigger than just one mentor. Right, right. Well, you wrote that it's time for women to stop being politely angry. I love that phrase. And that change begins with our voices, our votes and our money and leveraging that collectively, as you said before. So unpack that a little bit more for our audience because I thought that was very profound. Yeah, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with being angry. Mm -hmm. You know, there's such a thing as righteous anger. Mm -hmm. And um, we really, and, and, and that can be a good fire in your belly. You don't have to be nasty. You don't have to be mean, but you, if you're, if you can't look around at our world and not be angry about um, so much um, human potential that is being wasted mm -hmm. and, and destroyed, uh, and, and including your own as women, you know? And yeah. so um, don't be afraid of that and don't be afraid of being angry about it. Um, and, and so I would say, that, um, yeah, but then take that anger. It's what you do with it. I mean, if you let it eat you up and be really mad, well, that's, that's just wasted anger. Mm -hmm. And, um, but also, you know, that whole thing about being politely angry, that's not enough. That is not enough to be politely angry because polite will get you nowhere. You don't have to be rude, um, but you need to be assertive. And you need to be very, very clear. And you need to not step back when somebody pushes you. Right. So let your anger fuel you as opposed to stop you or like you say, just bubbling up and spewing hatred and whatnot. But let, let it serve you. Let it serve oh. you. Yeah. And, and, and be angry at anybody who undermines your dream. Mm -hmm. be, be angry. I and like that. Anybody who says, oh, don't, oh, I don't know. That sounds pretty risky to me. <laughs> or don't you worry your pretty little head about this or all these things, yeah. you know, that um, people, sometimes even well-intentioned people mm -hmm. say things that undermine women reaching their full potential. So, yeah. um, you know, just have your radar up and don't allow any of that to um, infect you. Or absolutely you. yes people yes. around you who build you up that's it yes absolutely you need supporters because that those are the people that will give you the energy to keep going but i love that if if get angry at anybody who undermines your dream oh i think that's that's beautiful advice so yeah any, yeah you know, and the best way to do that is just get, get them out of your life yeah Don't have a fight with them it's like i got no time for you <laughs> i'm busy <laughs> I'm busy. busy. You know, and yeah. another thing I always say, I'm a huge believer in women. Um, you know, we've got to support one another. I mean, because if women don't support other uh, other women, why should men support us? Exactly. You know, if we don't do business with other women and build them up, why would we expect men to do business with us? Yes. And so, um, you know, and I, uh, I, I, I can really tell very, very quickly if a woman is um, someone who aligns herself with and supports other women, or if she's a woman who undermines and separates mm -hmm. herself from other women. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I really don't have time for women who undermine other women and are so concerned about fitting in with the guys that they walk away from the gals. Yeah. 
I don't have time for them. And I, I just say, you know what, good luck to you. But I'm going to put my energy uh, in women who uh, understand the importance of women um, supporting other women. Yes, absolutely. I'm with you on that. So in your experience, speaking of supporting each other, what do you feel holds women back from reaching their next level? Well, I, I think the, the biggest thing is, I mean, of course there are, um, of course there's culture, of course there's, um, I mean, we're not even in the, in the constitution, you know? I mean, we, we need to pass the Equal Rights Amendment. I mean, women are not protected in the constitution. And so there are all kinds of factors like that. But I, I truly do think the biggest thing holding women back is ourselves. Uh, I, I really do believe that. There's no question about that. And um, it, it's, it's, that's the most powerful piece of it all. And so um, you just, uh, it, it, it's just about finding your courage, believing in yourself, you know, surrounding yourself with people who will lift you up instead of pulling you down. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I don't ignore the fact that there's still uh, women are still paid less than men. Um, it's still more difficult for women to to borrow money for their businesses and and all those things. I mean, women are um, totally underrepresented in political office in terms of the policies and laws that are passed in this country. I mean, we don't have enough women on corporate boards. I mean, I could go on and on in terms of all of the the issues. Um, but I truly believe, Jane that um, the number one piece is inside of us and, and uh, believing in ourselves and being willing to fight. Because you and I talked a couple days ago a, a little bit and you said, oh, I don't know about that word fight. And uh, to me, it, to me, I think you have to fight. You have to, and, and it's the good fight. It's to fight the good fight and fight it with a smile on your face and belief in yourself and energy. But um, believe me, I mean, to be truly successful as a woman entrepreneur, you got to be willing to fight. Yes. Well, fight for yourself, fight for your business, fight for other women, fight for economic opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we have to first believe in ourselves, which... I agree 100%. I mean, if we don't believe in ourselves, how is anybody else going to believe in us? Right. Whether you're, you're, you're championing women's leadership or building a business or making a move in your career. It's like, you, it goes back to that confidence when boys are like, you know, they overestimate their capabilities and women underestimate them. So yeah, I, I, I really believe in that. So what three skills would you say can up-level a woman's business potential? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Did I give you a hard one? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one. That's all right. I mean, I made a whole career out of asking hard questions. Okay. But, um, you know, I, um, I mean, I, 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 I mentioned courage already, you know, and I'm going to come back to that. And, and I do put that in the category of skill because I believe that courage is something that you can develop mm -hmm. and that you, do, you get better and stronger at courage by taking the little ones and every time you do it and, and take a bigger step, bigger step, bigger step, you, you, get, you get stronger. And, and courage is essential because you have to be a risk taker. You 
have to be willing to um, get out of your comfort zone if you're going to build a successful business. Right. And, um, the, you know, another really important piece is um, I'm a huge uh, fan of, you know, your communication skills. I mean, communication skills are absolutely essential um, in, in terms of, you know, how you're interacting other people, uh, how you're interacting with your employees, um, how you are um, attracting customers and clients, all those things. And so, um, you know, really developing your communication skills. And, and part of that is, um, you know, even how women use their voices. I mean, I still drives me a little bit crazy when I hear women talking in these soft little voices. Mm, yes. Uh, and uh, it drives me crazy too. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the vocal cords to talk in a strong voice is just a matter of developing them and using them and speaking. You know, you can speak up here in your head, you can speak here in your nose, or you can speak from your diaphragm. And the strength comes from speaking with your diaphragm. And, um, you know, how you communicate is people make very quick decisions about whether you're going to be a successful business person. Yes. Uh, based on those first impressions. So I would add that. And, and then money. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, money. I mean, financial acuity is um, absolutely fundamental. And um, so if, um, you know, you don't have to be a CPA or a bookkeeper, but you've got to understand um, money and, mm -hmm. and how to um, keep an eye on it, how to, how to keep track of the money that you have and, and how to go after and get the money that you're going to need uh, for capital to um, build your business. Yes, then that's that's a, a hard one for a lot of women. They don't know how to ask for money or they don't know how to put a business plan together to show where they're going to use the money, how it's going to grow, et cetera, et cetera. Especially when, you know, a lot of women form a nonprofit and then, you know, they'd like to go out and get some money for that nonprofit. But people who are going to contribute to any business, it doesn't matter. They want to understand your business plan and what, what you're doing to, if it's a nonprofit, not necessarily the, the profits that are coming out of it, but what are you doing to generate, uh, you know, what to use that money? Um, you're right. Financial acuity, uh, and, and certainly if you're not aware of it, take some classes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Take some classes. You can take them at the, uh, you know, the community college for very, very little money. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's really fundamental. You don't have to become, uh, you know, an MBA to run a successful yeah. business, but but that's definitely um, you have three legs of a stool that mm -hmm. you're going to build it on. I mean, that that's got to be essential piece of it. And I'm sure, Jane, that you will have people who have expertise in that uh, as part of your summit. Oh, yes, absolutely. And what is your definition of woman's leadership? Ah, I love that. You know, um, in my book, uh, you know, and I, I guess you'll mention it, but can I hold up my book? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I have to uh, offer a special deal on my book for people. But, you know, my book is called Powering Up how America's women achievers become leaders. Mm. But one of the things that I did in that book is um, I, I patterned after Stephen Covey's great book, um, mm. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you haven't read that book, read that book. It's an awesome book. 
but um, I have, there's, there's a chapter on each of the seven skills that I believe uh, women need in order to move into leadership roles. And, and certainly owning a business is moving into a leadership role. And um, the last one, I mean, six of those seven are, are the same for men or women, you know, they, they, they're the same really. I mean, we, we do them differently and we have to master them differently, but the skills are essential. But the seventh one is um, unique to women. And I call it womaninity. And um, that's a word that I coined, and maybe someday it will be in the dictionary. But um, womaninity is, um, it's really to me the parallel to masculinity. Mm, femininity, femininity is, uh, is not parallel to masculinity. Femininity is really about maybe our softer side. But um, I, I kind of say that um, womaninity is to masculinity as Ms. is to Mr. And, you know, uh, you know, Mrs. or Miss is really defining women in terms of our relationship to a man. But Ms. MS is really just about us standing alone, uh, who we are on our own. And it's none of anyone's business, whether you are single or married, unless you want to tell them that. Right. Not, but that's womaninity is um, being comfortable in your skin you know, as a woman and leading as a woman and each woman can decide that for herself. But, um, you know, for several decades, my generation of women were sort of forced or thought we had to try to model ourselves after men. Mm. because That was the only models that culture had of what a leader looked like. And so we, and, and thank heavens we went through that. It just took a couple of decades to get through that, um, not needing to dress like a man, not needing to talk like a man, act like a man, lead like a man. Um, no, I mean, a woman is, um, a woman leader is someone who's very comfortable in her own skin as a woman, but also, um, tapping into all of the strengths of our, um, of our gender. Yes. And we, there definitely are dramatic differences between men and women. Oh yeah. And isn't that great? Mm -hmm. I like to think of, um, you know, humanity as, um, like a bird with two wings and you have a male and the female and, um, you know, a bird with one wing cannot fly. And for thousands of years, uh, the human family has been trying to fly with, you know, one wing tied behind its back. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's very important that women um, do not try to act like men. Yes. And do not minimize or walk away from the many, many strengths that we have as female human beings. And one of the most interesting pieces of research that I've read recently is about the fact that there's all this evidence that in situations that are like life and death survival situations, you know, plane crashes or people lost out in the jungle or in Antarctica in freezing conditions, that the, the groups that survive are the best, are all female groups. Really? And wow. by far, 
all female groups survive much more than all male groups mm. or even mixed gender groups. Wow. And that is really what they say it's about is that women are still often not listened to by men. And men don't always listen to each other that much either. Oh, you know, they're yeah. all right. They're all right. They all know the best way to do it. <laughs> and it. even when you do have a certain number, that's why just a few women in a group is, is just a token or a presence. But mm -hmm. you have to have a significant number of women in a group to really start being heard and bringing all of our expertise to that conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But women do listen to other women. Yes. And in, in a group where, you know, life or death is at stake based on, on all the skills and the brain power that everybody can bring to that situation, women survive in much greater numbers. Yeah. I, I mean, that, and that to me is all the evidence that you need that we have tremendous skills to bring. Yes. To every discussion, you know, every discussion, every decision related to the human family. Absolutely. Use our feminine, our, how do you say that word? Womaninity. And there's Use a our, chapter in my book. It's, it's W-O-M-A-N-I-N-I-T-Y. Okay, we're going to have to get that word out into the world. Womaninity. Use your womaninity. <laughs> I love it. Use your like that? Yeah, I yeah. do. It, I it's it. just a parallel word to masculinity because, you know, I mean, masculinity is a great word. I mean, to me, it's yes. like, you know, a masculine man is a pretty cool man, fully developed, you know. I mean, hopefully high consciousness, you know, not overloaded with testosterone. Um, you know, and the same thing with a woman, you know, she's not an extreme version of femininity. I mean, she's a, a, a well-developed, fully developed female human being tapping into all of her power. I love it. I see a title, The Power and Grace of Womaninity. There you go. I, there you go. I I mean, love that's it. my next book, right? Yes. I'm going to yeah. use that as your title in your, in your, in your interview. Well, I wanted to move on to the fact that you are the current president of the Michigan chapter of the International Women's Forum. Now, I'm really interested in this platform. So tell us about the organization and the meaning that it holds for you and women around the globe. Right. The International Women's Forum has been uh, kind of a secret for about 40 years. And it was actually formed in the early 1970s. Um, in New York, and it was formed at the same time that the National Organization for Women was formed, the National Women's Political Caucus was formed. There were a number of different women's organizations that are still around today, very important, but they were being formed at that time. And they were formed by many of the same people, but for strategically different reasons. Mm. And the, national, the International Women's Forum was created in order to connect the rare women who were in senior leadership roles mm, okay. because there were very, very few of them at that time. And um, they might know about each other, but they didn't really have a way to know each other and to connect. Mm. And so the IWF is a, um, is a by uh, nomination, by invitation membership organization. So you can't just join it. You really have to be uh, nominated because of your level of credentials and leadership and, and experience. So it takes a while. Mm -hmm. um, 
and but it's grown over these years and it is now um there are now seven thousand members in 33 mm -hmm. countries and almost every state in the united states all of canada um very very large um presence and uh i'm based in michigan and um we were not one of the founding chapters but we are 40 years old mm. and so we've been around um, a significant period of time and uh, we now have um, 133 members and wow. really uh, if you kind of look at the um if you look at like who are the major leaders and and uh ceos and members of congress and academics and religious leaders and sports leaders. I mean, it crosses all professions. And, um, you know, the, the, the movers and shakers of this state are members of the International mm. Forum. And the other important piece about this is that um, its mission for a long time was to advance women's leadership. Okay. And last year, they expanded that to, um, to include and, and champion equality worldwide. Mm. So that is the, the mission of the International Women's Forum. And on top of being a way for women in individual states and in individual countries to connect with the other leaders in their area, um, every year the IWF holds two global conferences. Mm. And um, every fall it's in the US or Canada, every spring it's on another continent. And I have been to 15 of these global conferences all over the world. Mm. I mean, Johannesburg, South Africa, in Tel Aviv, in Amman, Jordan, wow, Caribbean, and South America, and but in um, in in all those years, almost fifty years, they never had come to Detroit, to Motown, <laughs> and so a couple of years ago, I basically said, you know what, Detroit is on the rise, and it's time for the women leaders of the International Women's Forum to come to Detroit. Good for you. So we fought for it we won it, which I kind of say it's like winning the, the Super Bowl of Global Women's Leadership Conferences. And we've been working on it for three years and then the pandemic canceled it. Oh no. It was this fall. Oh. It was going to be this October. But the good news is that uh, we basically, uh, you know, went back at it and said, hey, listen, we're not going to the back of the line. That's right. Yeah, and so we are now going to host the IWF uh, Sisterhood World Leadership Conference in um, the fall of 2023 in Detroit. Right, 2023. And, you know, How exciting. If I can, is that yeah. even though it's a um, membership organization, that non-members can attend these global conferences if they are registered by a member as a guest. Ah, okay. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if people can look up, just look up the International Women's Forum, IWF.org, and they can read all about the organization, which is really becoming a more important voice. Absolutely. So now I'm curious, what would we expect if we were, if someone were to attend the, the, uh, the conferences? What, what sort of thing do you cover? Or are there speeches by individuals? I'm just really curious. Yeah, well, these conferences really look at global issues through mm -hmm. a female lens. And so instead of, you know, um, three men on a panel and one woman, we do have men, mm -hmm. but it would be three women and one man, you know, and so that the experts that we're bringing in on um, global topics 
um, are, um, you know, some of the most um, accomplished women in the world. Mm. And um, so the, the theme for the Detroit conference was to be the future city. Mm. And because Detroit has been a, um, a symbol to the world of a city in crisis, that um, was was one of, it was the Paris of the of North America at one point because of the auto industry and um, yep. then it went through tremendous fifty years of decline and now is on the rise again and so it's really a perfect example a local example of the global issues of the issues facing urban uh, cities everywhere and so it's it wasn't it wasn't just looking at Detroit it would be looking at what are the challenges and the opportunities of, um, of future cities? Mm. And some of Detroit's lessons um, included in that. But right. the speakers would come from all over the world. And uh, the other pieces of it are um, a, a tradition of the IWF is, is the dine around. And so these conferences are two and a half days. Mm. And on the, the first night, full night, um, instead of having dinner together in a big hotel somewhere, um, you have 600 women leaders who go off to individual homes for a private dinner. Oh, wow. And so you will have, you will be sitting in a private home in every, you know, whatever part of the world we are in, in a private home of a member uh, with other women, with a group of maybe just 10 other women. Oh, how fabulous is that? Right. And so, you know, I mean, hosting a global conference means finding 60 homes, for example. <laughs> yeah, it's a no, lot of but, work. But oh yeah, yo oh, yeah. But it. But imagine that. I mean, I have been in a private home in Amman, Jordan. I have been in a private home in um, Johannesburg, South Africa, or in Barcelona, Spain. Or that is Spain. such an incredible idea to immerse those individuals into the culture because. When you have these gatherings, you're having people come from all over the world to America as well. And like you said, in Amman, Jordan, and, and, and wherever you are elsewhere around the world, you get to experience the culture firsthand because you're in someone's home. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And, and they also that. do behind the scenes, which is one, one complete afternoon is you get out of the big conference sessions and you go out to these smaller experiences mm -hmm. to yeah experience um, some of the incredible places and um, museums or I mean you, people have choices of what they want to do because right. maybe there'd only be 50 people at that behind the scenes so yeah a big piece of it is um, not only looking at global issues and hearing from some of the top experts in the world about these issues but also really experiencing that place and the culture of that place. Mm people that place. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of what you're saying and my mind goes to only a woman could think of that. I don't know why, because it's, it's yeah. not just that it's different. It's that it's inclusive, that it's, you know, meet other families, other individuals that live here. I mean, I couldn't even imagine a men's conference doing that at all. And I'll tell you the final evidence that, that there's the men would never do this is the closing gala is a great big black tie party and we're all on the dance floor <laughs> i mean it, there are 500 women I, I mean really people are dancing until you know well after midnight it's like at a wedding you know where everybody's yeah. dancing 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, can you see all, you know, 600 guys on the dance Oh, gosh, no, are you kidding? It just never happened, and we have so much fun. Well, that's fine. I love it. I just love it. I don't know if you have video of those, but if you don't, somebody needs to take video of it because I'll, oh yeah, we do. Oh yeah, we do. Oh yeah, we have lots of video. But oh, good. You know, when I was dancing to Motown music in other parts of the world, I'm saying to myself, "Wait a minute, you gotta come to Motown." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, boy, are you gonna oh, have all over the world? And um, yeah, right. Wow. That's gonna be some party, Ann. I'll tell you, I'm gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> Love Motown. And if your listeners or uh, summit attendees who haven't been to Detroit yet, Detroit is an incredible city um, on the rise again. And so come visit us. Yes, I am so happy for that because you're right. I mean, it is a city that has gone through a lot. And it's wonderful to see that it is on the rise. Now, just moving on to uh, one other thing that I would like for you to unpack is when we had our conversation, you mentioned three steps that you can give us to becoming an effective female leader now. This is a leader, not uh, as opposed to an entrepreneur. Um, I know that some of those, those skill sets can cross over, but being an effective leader is someone who can influence and develop leader at leadership attitudes for others. What three steps can you give us to becoming an effective female leader? Yeah, well, um... The, the very first one, uh, and, and, and I, I definitely talk about this in my book, I mean, the very, very first thing in terms of being a leader, um, I call it um, discover your purpose. Mm. And, and that's the fire in your belly. Yes. I mean, uh, you, you have got to have that fire in your belly uh, because um, you have to understand that yourself. Like, what is your purpose? I mean, it's not about... Um, it's not about getting rich. I mean, rarely women, we, we know from research that uh, women who start businesses and things, it, it's, it's not just about getting rich or, or making money. There, there's something there that, that fuels them, that is their passion. Yes. And so uh, number one, you really have to discover your purpose so that you understand, you know, the fire in your belly. Mm -hmm. And um, so that, that, that's number one. And um, number two, um, is, is raise your voice. Uh, and, and I like to say, you know, we spent a few decades of women trying to find their voices as, as we were, they were moving into the professional world. But it's really time now for women to raise mm -hmm. our voices. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, 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 and that's about, about being heard uh, and about um, weighing in and about standing your ground. Um, and so that's a, that's an essential one. And gosh, if I had to, um, if I had to, can I say four? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Say as many okay. as you'd like. <laughs> uh, um, you know, we talked about failure and, um, I, I, I call it get back in the saddle. I'm a horsewoman and a lifelong horsewoman and, um, big rider and, uh, you know, Anyone who uh, is an accomplished rider has been thrown off a lot of horses. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, um, and the difference is not that you haven't been thrown off of horses. It's the difference is that you overcome your fear, you dust yourself off, and you get back in the saddle and you charge right back into the fray. Right. And so, I mean, that's, that's absolutely essential. And then uh, the last one is something I call um, drink at dangerous waters. Mm. And um, 
Drinking Dangerous Waters is, um, there's an analogy I, I read in a fabulous business book one time, but it's, it's the idea of um, in a jungle that there's a watering hole and all the different animals have to, in order to survive, they have to go to that watering hole. Mm-hmm. And the gazelles and the lions have to risk it uh, to survive. Right. Be there. And it's, it's, it's dangerous waters for the, for the prey. Sure. And, um, and what that's really about is in order to thrive and to live a full life uh, up to your full potential, you have to drink at dangerous waters. Mm, and that's taking that. the risk of starting your business, asking for the money, uh, asking for people's support, and, and stepping out of your comfort zone. And don't take reckless risks. But take strategic risks. Mm. Once you've done your research and laid the ground and prepared and everything, and there's still you gotta still make that leap. That's about drinking at dangerous waters and do it strategically. That is really, really interesting. I love that. Drink from dangerous waters, and I love the story because it makes it makes sense. I mean, you're right. Yeah. If you, if, you know, if those gazelles don't, don't go drink at that water, they're not going to survive. They're not going to survive. Right. So we have to step into the net in order to, in order to move forward. Exactly. If if you don't step into the net, then you're just going to languish and. You're going to languish because you won't have that that refreshing water. (laughs) that's true yeah well I'm not sure well for the animals it's very refreshing I'm sure it is so uh, this has been wonderful I wanted to ask you how do you define your purpose in life oh oh um my purpose in life is is all about um humanity achieving its full purpose and um you know, I, for a long time, I talked about my purpose in life as being, um, you know, to lift girls and women. And, um, you know, one, one of the, the fire in my belly is, um, is my sister Mary. Mm. And uh, so I'm one of seven children and um, we lost our sister. I lost my sister Mary when she was 22 years old. Mm. And I was 25 and uh, Mary committed suicide. And um, so uh, you know, as great a loss as that is, that she has stayed with me and she has fueled my passion to um, see all girls and women achieve their full potential. But, you know, just like, um, I mean, I've always been about social justice, but I felt like I was really where I could help the most was in terms of girls and women, because that's my area of expertise. But I really want to say at this moment that um, I, I am um, expanding what I'm all about because I have been about it, but I'm raising my voice to expand it, mm-hmm. to say um, it's not just girls and women. It's about social justice for all people of color mm-hmm. who are still dramatically discriminated against and um, in my lifetime to do everything I can to um, help um, the human family move forward and achieve our full potential. Mm, that's beautiful. So 
what do you do, Anne, to challenge yourself in life? Not right. that you haven't been challenging yourself all along, but is there anything that you, <laughs> you say, okay, I've got to do this. I'm going to challenge myself now. No, I, 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 I ride horses. I, mean, I, 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 was, I thought that was it, but I just wanted to hear you say it. It's it because you know what? Every time you get on a horse, I mean, I, I love being on a horse and it, it feeds my soul. But also, you know, every time you get on a horse, something can happen. Because mm -hmm. no matter how good a rider you are, I mean, something can happen. And you have to like, just say, get over that fear and just say, hey, it's worth the risk. I'm going to live and I'm going to live fully. And uh, a couple years ago, I took I took the worst fall of my life. A couple, oh, no. and I've been riding all my life, and it was really a Christopher Reeves kind of a fall. Mm. And I went right over the horse's head, and I I landed. Um, you know, I flipped, and I, I landed. I was either landing flat on my face, or I was going to land on my head, and I had a helmet on. Um, but and. Um, you know, it took a long time for me to get the courage to, to get back on because I thought to myself, well, maybe I'm getting too old. Mm. Maybe the time has come where I need to stop riding. And, and my chiropractor and my family and my son all said, get back on that. Oh, really? Even your chiropractor? Wow. <laughs> I together again. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and so um, I, I would say, I mean, we all need something like that, right? Whatever it is, I mean, we all have some need something like that. But um, don't ever let go of that. I mean, find it. You know, find what that is that nourishes your joy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and make sure that you um, that you take time to do that because it's that whole thing about putting on your own oxygen mask first. Yes, I love it. In fact, it reminds me of a story that just uh, came up in the news recently about the the queen because she's up there in age and she goes riding all the time and her family and doctors and friends all want to stop her from riding because they're saying you know she's older and if she falls you know she could break bones and not recover and she's like no i've ridden all my life and i'm gonna keep riding so Good for her, yeah, yeah. she's a horsewoman, but I hadn't read. Doesn't surprise me that they want to tell her no. But luckily, she's the queen, and oh, she can say, yeah, she's, no, I love it. Tell me what to do. We all have to act like the queen, right? And yeah, that's true. That's no. true. But what a great example. Yeah. So tell us one thing that's not on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Great questions, Jane. Thank you. I try. <laughs> questions, yeah. Um, one thing that's not on my resume is serving on a corporate board. Mm -hmm. And um, I um, and I really want to encourage uh, women to think about that, uh, serving on corporate boards, not just nonprofit boards. I mean, yes, do that, but also to serve on corporate boards. And women need to think about that much younger than my generation of women did. You need to be really thinking about that in your um, uh, late 40s, early 50s, uh, really strategically thinking about that. And there's a great organization called 2020 Women on Boards, which I am part of, and it's all about achieving gender equity 
which means 50% on corporate boards. And it's essential because they pretty much make the rules about uh, millions of employees at mm -hmm. all these corporations around the world. And there's a, there's a lot of money to be made there. <laughs> there's okay. a lot of money to be made. And that's why the men don't want women on there. I mean, they're getting their buddies on those boards. Yes. But, um, you know, and I really want to encourage women to um, think about that. Uh, I should have thought about it a long time ago. Right. Yeah, but that's not something you hear. Like, I'm so glad you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, when I talk to women, because, you know, once again, I mean, it, men have so many, I mean, they have thousands of examples of seeing men on boards to sort of get the idea like, well, maybe I could do that. Whereas women still have so few examples mm -hmm. uh, that we need to really remind women to think about that as an option and it's a great people that yes board you're making 50,000 100,000 250,000 a year just to serve on a corporate board there's a lot of money there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um you know you have to have the the credentials and the skills but many women have those skills now but it's part of the, your network also you right. have to put your network to work and activate it and um you know, 2020 women on boards, you can find them on the internet and they offer fantastic workshops mm. in terms of telling you exactly what you need to do in terms of starting to position yourself that way. Mm. We should put that on in a link beneath your bio. That yeah. would be, that would be okay. good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? I know you have a great special for your book. So maybe bring that up and we will have that again on your, uh, on the links beneath your bio, but you've got a very generous offer. Maybe let our audience know what that is. Okay. I'm very happy um, for people to uh, buy my book. I mean, you can certainly get it on Amazon, but um, for you to um, get the, make sure you get the updated third edition, mm. uh, which I, every time it's updated, I update all the research and also to have a signed copy from me, mm. that's nice and clean. Um, they will need to buy, to get it through my, through my website. You can buy it directly through me and it'll be signed and we'll make sure we get it to you. And um, it'll be a 50% discount for at $10 a piece. Oh, wonderful. Uh, so buy it through your yeah. website, not through Amazon. Yeah, 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 not through Amazon. Uh, yes. You know, Jeff Bezos is a trillionaire now, and so I know. enough already with Amazon. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> directly from me, and, yeah. uh, and I'll um, get it to you, yeah. So, but also I hope people will listen to the podcast. Yes, um, tell so us a little bit about those. podcast is Powering Up, Mm -hmm. uh, and I call it a uh, cross-generational, cross-cultural conversation about leadership, power, and gender. Mm. And, um, and I also host the, um, the podcast of the International Women's Forum, which is um, called Game Changers. And um, that's another fantastic podcast out there with um, women leaders from all over the world. Yes, I've, I've heard one of them. Yes, they're very yeah. good. But now you don't have, do you have to be a member to listen to the ones on the- Oh, no, no, okay. no, no. Okay. It's and actually I post the, the Game Changers podcast on my Powering Up site as well. Okay. okay. Um, they can find uh, wherever you get your podcast, you'll find Game Changers. Okay. Uh, and you'll find Powering Up with Ann Doyle. 
Okay, wonderful. And we'll have those links available as well uh, in, in Anne's bio. So I just have four final questions that are kind of for fun because I like to take people out of their reality. <laughs> and it shocks me how some people just are thrown for a loop, but that's okay. So here goes. The first question is, if your life were an epic story, what would the title be? Oh, <laughs> I see. I, I, people agonize. I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought it would be fun. See, that's my mindset is these are fun, but anyway, it's okay. <laughs> it's interesting. Don't stop me. Don't stop you. Don't stop me. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I love that title. You yeah, like that? Now, now you got to write it, Anne. Don't think too hard. Was off the, think about it off the top of your head. And so I would just say, don't stop me. Oh, you got to write that book, whatever it is. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so what name would you give your character in your epic story? Oh, uh, you know, one of my role models was Annie Oakley. Mm. Now, many of your... Um, attendees, listeners might not know who Annie Oakley is, but, um, you know, Annie Oakley was a great American um, sharpshooter. She was like the, the, what, the Great West, you know, and I mean, I grew up, um, my early role models were cowgirls. Mm -hmm. uh, Dale Evans, I mean, they were riding horses and they were shooting, shooting the bad guys and uh, I love uh, along with the, along with the guys. And so, um, Absolutely. I, uh, I would say Annie Oakley. Okay. That, that's, I could see that. Definitely. And my dad always called me Annie, you know, so. Oh, did I, he? Oh my gosh. Okay. Me Annie. There yeah. you go. And how would you characterize your epic life? You know, um, when you say that in terms of character, how would I characterize my epic life? Do you mean what I would like it to be or when I look back on it or? How you, if you, if you've written a book of fiction and this was your epic story, how would you characterize your epic life? Yeah, I would, I would like my character um, to be a, a woman who made a difference on her watch, you know, not just for her own individual accomplishments, but um, for, for, for the world who truly, you know, made a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, that, that would make me joyful. And I would want her, um, and I would want her to have been happy, to, be, to have been a happy warrior a joyful, happy warrior who uh, who fought um, for um, for the world to be a better place for everybody until her last breath, mm. and she never stopped riding horses. Oh, I love it. That that's that's an epic that's an epic characterization. I love it. One Can last question. More? Can I mention one more thing? Oh yeah, absolutely. One more thing that I, I want to mention is I want to mention that I'm a mother mm. and I have, I have a son. Uh, I have a, uh, my son is 28 years old and um, I raised him very much by myself. Mm. Uh, I went through a, a divorce when my son was a year and a half old. Oh boy. Um, I married a fantastic guy who unfortunately we watched him destroy himself with mm. alcohol, drugs, um, 
And uh, I got to a point in my life where I had to save myself and save my son. Mm-hmm. And, and I did. And his, um, his dad died when he was seven years old. Oh, and so boy. I very much raised my son mm-hmm. by myself. And he's a fantastic young man. Of course, we went through our teenage years that every parent can understand. But um, I always felt that being, that parenting was the hardest job I ever did. Mm. All the jobs that I've had and the challenging jobs that I've had, because I am a risk taker and I am somebody who wants a challenge, it was really the only job I ever thought I might fail at. And um, because it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard Uh, and a lot at stake. Yes, and being a single parent too. Yeah, but it also um, is the the experience that um, enriched me and helped me grow the most. Mm -hmm. It it really challenged me. And, um, and And it softened my heart towards men because as angry as I get sometimes, about you know the the inequality and the discrimination and and the men who don't see it and don't understand it and won't listen um there's nothing like a a little baby boy or a little boy to soften your heart and Mm -hmm. he's a fantastic young man so he's really uh, i want to make sure that my epic character also was a great mother oh okay wonderful wonderful well this is the last one then. If you had an epic superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, <laughs> I, I, I absolutely, I'd want to fly. Oh, okay. <laughs> absolutely, I would want to fly and I would want to fly great distances because I'm um, most definitely a global traveler. And uh, I have many, many places all around the world and, and new cultures that I want to experience and, and places to visit. And um, I think we're going to be limited in terms of that for a uh-huh. while. I'm not sure when we'll be able to travel globally again yeah. as easily as we have. But um, I, I would also like to fly because it gets you up in the air so you can see the big picture. Mm. And, um, get out of get out of the weeds yeah that's you're the second person to say fly so that's really interesting that's that's interesting well and it's been such a pleasure and i want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your leadership knowledge and inspiration and really telling us how to become and live the life of a leadership a woman leader and i would love now for you for our audience to go over to my Facebook page and write a comment. Tell us what your epic takeaway was from this conversation. And remember, this is where you imagine, create, and build a life and business doing what you love. Until next time, I'm Jane Applegath, and you're watching The Epic Vision Zone.